I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for... The, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show! Thank you, places. Boy, quite a storm just roared through here. I was scared to death. He yelled my name. I was downstairs and said, Could you get up here? Well, I was teaching piano and I heard someone screaming from the parking lot. I guess it was... Some people were working with somebody. It sounded like they were like ye- like yelling on an intercom, like, you know, take cover. They probably were. It was a big, strong gust front that came through with like horizontal rain and just not something we see every day around these parts. Horizontal rain. Yeah, yeah. No. Horizontal rain. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, so that happened. So Maddie's got to run because he's going to direct uh, Always Patsy Klein. So um... yep, tonight is our last run through in an indoor space because Thursday night we're going to be outside teching in the park, and then we we open Friday night, Lord willing, with weather on our side. And people can find those details whether they are going ahead with the show or not, probably at creativeculturean.org or at Creative Cauldron's Facebook page, I would imagine. Um, but I, don't quote me on that. Uh, so tonight we have Wayne Duvall. Wayne, um, we we met Wayne when he was at Signature Theater appearing in Pride in the Fall of Autry Mills. Uh-huh. And Wayne has been in some of the most iconic films of all time. My favorite and most recognizable from the get-go was... Um, from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He plays uh, Homer Stokes um, and has that famous line at the end, is you is or is you ain't my constituency. And I always loved that character, like how how much he was very, so dastardly and he did it so well. Um, so we talk about that, a few other small uh, films that he's done, like um, Apollo 13, No Big Deal. Um, we'll, we'll hear what it was like being there on set of some of these most iconic films of all time so we're really happy Wayne joined us um so we're just going to take a quick commercial break then we'll be right back with Wayne Duvall we'll be right back right back Hello. Hello. Hello, Wayne Duvall. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's me, Stephen, here. I'm here with Matt. Hi, Wayne. It's Matt. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's going well, thanks. How about you? Oh, gosh. Who are we kidding? My Lord, this has been the weirdest, like, life uh, journey that we've gone through. I know. Um, I know. Are you on the East Coast or West Coast? I'm on the East Coast. And you were born on the East Coast. I was born in Maryland, not too far from Sherlington. I was born in Silver Spring. Did you also go to school in Maryland? I went to the University of Maryland, yep. Majored in theater. Oh, wow. This this episode is going to be all about Maryland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's been keeping you busy uh, work-wise during this uh, weird pandemic? Did you do a lot of stuff on, on your computer and different things, lots of videoing? Um, mostly like Zoom cocktail hours, actually. I, I'm not a, um, I, I only did a few, like, I guess you'd call them workshops on, um, uh, Zoom. Um, but I'm really not a fan of that. I mean, I, I need a real person to look at. So I kind of really laid low for the year. I mean, we, my wife and I just traveled upstate for a couple months and rented a house and sequestered there for, uh, two months last year and you know and, and then thankfully now that things have started back you know I've been very busy so that's been good yeah so you you are in the upcoming quiet place too yes um so when was that filmed that was filmed I want to say that was filmed was it early yeah no it was like late 20. 19 god could that be yeah no it was probably summer of 2019 we did that and i because i did another movie called werewolves within that's going to be um opening at tribeca film festival uh next month and that we filmed in february of 2020 
So, um, yeah, so Quiet Place 2 was, yeah, 2019, like summer of 2019 up in Buffalo. I'm anxiously looking forward to the film because, you know, uh, the first one was such a phenomenon as far as the movie trained the audience. Right. Um, and it was such a communal experience as audience members that like if one of the audience members was like being too loud eating popcorn, people would look at them. Oh, I know. I know. It, well, it was, I, I did it, get to see the movie in March, early March. Literally, it was like right before everything shut down. They had the premiere because they were hoping to open it like, you know, I think it was like March 20th. And they had to they're obviously postponed the opening because. John uh, Krasinski said he did not want this movie streamed. He wanted people to see it in the theaters. Um, so he would wait as long as it had to. And I can tell you, I actually like it better than the first one. Really? Oh, wow. That's saying a lot. Yeah. It, it's pretty friggin' amazing. And John even got to be in it some because he, there are flashbacks. Right. Right. And he's an amazing director. He's a ma- an amazing director. Um, but yeah, so, but John, yeah, John's in some flashbacks and stuff, but he was, you know, mostly he was our, our, our hair director and he was amazing. He was just amazing. And I was very thrilled that he invited me to play with him. Because this, they, is, this is the guy from The Office. This is the guy from The Office. Wow. I, I had worked with him in a movie called Leatherheads. And and we hit it off in that. And then he just called me and said, would you it's not a big part, but would you mind coming up? And I said, no, let's play. Let's do it. So with George. Well, that Leatherheads was with George. Yeah. But Quiet Place too. John called me up and just said, would you come up and do this? I went, sure. You know, which was really fun. I you know, he's such a good guy. So, yeah, I would do anything. Well, we can't wait to watch that. Yeah, it's going to be. I think you'll be pleased. And, the, and what's uh, Killian Murphy is amazing in it. He's so good. Can I ask um, a question about like when you do a film like this, you know, in, in theater, as we know, which is where we met, we met at the signature theater yep. where, where you were working on uh, the fall of the pride of Autry pride in the fall of Autry Mills. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we usually, you usually have like an opening night party sort of celebration where you know it feels like oh we've arrived when you open um a film do you are you told that it's going to be at this theater and there's going to be this sort of reception does that happen yeah i mean you get if if you know you're on the list if you you know your part's good enough that they want you at the premiere then yeah they they call you and say you're invited to the premiere um uh it's gonna be where i think we had yeah we had it at tavern on the green here uh, but they had it at a movie theater, and then the party was afterwards at Tavern on the Green. So, so it was a big old premiere party. It was awesome. What was it like working on Lincoln with oh. with Spielberg? Oh, that was just that. You know, that's one of those dream come true jobs because you know he's the the top of the mountain basically in terms of prolific filmmaker, um, and it was amazing because it was pretty much every character actor you'd ever seen in little parts here and there, you know, showing up. And we were all in like a holding room in the state capital of Richmond. Um, and, you know, reading papers, I'm sitting there next to James Spader, who's next to Tim Blake Nelson, who's, you know, John Hawks. And, 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 but whenever, whenever I was down or, or not being used, I used to go up and watch Spielberg because I thought, when am I going to get a chance? And he was just phenomenal because he's so spontaneous and he'll take the camera away and shoot some stuff himself. And he'll point to somebody and say, I don't know if I'm going to use this, but I like what you're doing. So let me get a shot of that. And He knows every aspect of filmmaking. It's he's like a savant. He knows lighting. He knows everything. And it was just a just a treat just to watch him create this world. And I, I would imagine it's a an amazing experience to watch the finished product after you they've gone and edited the, the entire film and seeing what that final product came out to be, right? Yeah, I mean, that always amazes me when you, you're shooting little bits here and there and, you know, you don't know what's going on all the time. And then to see the final product, 
and sit in the theater and, you know, just think I'm, I'm a part of this. Um, and you feel so honored because first it's Steven Spielberg and then it's a, a, a project about Abraham Lincoln where Lincoln's Daniel Day-Lewis. And it's just like, it just keeps getting better and better. And it just was so beautiful. And it was so, the story was great. The book was by Tony Kushner. I mean, it just didn't get any better than that. And right. every, everybody was fantastic to work with. Um, so Wayne, I done like about five or six shows at Ford's theater here in town. And there's a, because of that, like anyone who works there and works there like often, I mean, you've just instantly become a, a Lincoln file, you know? Right. Um, it's the, the grandeur of the theater when you walk into it and feel the, the power in looking at that balcony. Right. Um, it just, it every time doesn't fail to give you chills. Um, so, so Lincoln, when it came out, like a bunch of us who had uh, worked there kind of got together to watch uh, the film. It's just something that this city is so steeped in the, the Lincoln kind of mythology um, of this, the, this horrible thing that happened in this place that changed the world, you know? Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've I've been to that. I've been to Ford's, and I went across the street to the boarding house too. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then when I shot a film out in Michigan, Dearborn, Michigan, at the Henry Ford Museum, they have the chair that he was sitting in when he was assassinated. And talk about powerful! You see this chair that's just soaked in blood. Yeah, and where where was that again? It's in Dear. It's at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. Huh, that's yep. fascinating. Oh, they got all, that's the greatest museum I've ever been to. It's it's amazing. It's so the boarding house across the street for the listeners who aren't local. You mean right by the pancake place? By Lincoln Waffle House. Yeah. <laughs> um, this place, the boarding house, is aptly titled "The House Where Lincoln Died." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of thought went into that one. <laughs> it's it's it you know it does promise uh, yeah. on its advertisement, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I, I always, whenever we would walk by that, I'd always sing, this is the house where Lincoln died. You know? <laughs> just, just, it's catchy. It's got a beat. You can dance to it. Um, yeah, Wayne wants to be in that musical. Yeah. Oh, that, bring it. Bring it. <laughs> yes. Um, I know for me, I, the older I get, uh, the more I'm just drawn to history. And not yes. that I don't like, you know, uh, fantasy and other you know stories or whatever but i don't know when it's when it's something that actually happened there's just such just such weight to to taking on either another living person or just being a part of another story steven you wanted to say something i was going to say this is a perfect segue to talking about films about historical things um you were in a little film called apollo 13 just a little little teeny thing yeah little space thing um since that has become, of course, uh, one of the most beloved films in, you know, the country um, and frequently it's always on TV. I swear to God, it's always on TV. Yeah. It should be. I know. And, and that's got to be great for you. Um, <laughs> but can you tell tell the listeners about like working on that film, what that was like? Uh, oh, yeah. sure. Absolutely. I mean, when we got there. First of it, it was shot. At, we shot our part. Well, I guess most. Of, I think all of it was shot at Universal uh, lot in Hollywood, uh, stage twenty-seven, if I'm not mistaken. But they literally rebuilt to the letter um, uh, Mission Control that was in Houston, and to the point where we had a couple technical advisors that were actually in Mission Control. One was the flight director that had the job. Not not the Ed Harris character's real guy, but one of the guys that also had the same job, um, G, uh, Jerry Griffin. And they would many times say, yeah, and afterwards, why don't we all go across the, oh, and they forgot that they weren't in Houston, that they were in L.A. because <laughs> they had done such an amazing job. But when you think about it, I, you got to give a lot of props to Ron Howard because here's a movie where you know how it ends. And it still kept you on the edge of your seat. Um, but that was just one of those things where I still get together every Thursday. Um, now it's via zoom, um, with, uh, like six to eight 
of the mission controllers. We've just, you know, we're like brother. We actually call ourselves the Apollo ladies who lunch. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and every, every day, you know, four o'clock my time, one o'clock their time, we meet via zoom and just, you know, talk inane, stupid things. How's your day? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. But, um, it was, it was, you know, it was fun. We'd play poker in between shots. Um, uh, Ron was so organized. He knew everything he wanted to do. He, he wrangled like, I don't know, there was like 60 of us or whatever. And he wrangled them. And uh, Ed Harris was great. A little intimidating at first, but then he warmed up. Um, but, I mean, you know, there were times when I would say to, I went to Ron Howard. And this is like my first big film. And, and I'd say, look, you know, my character was in charge of the lunar module, you know, watching out for it. And and I said, they're talking about the lunar module right now at another little soundstage. Can I go up there and just listen to see what I can soak up? And so I walked in and it was like, you know, there's Tom Hanks and all the, the guys talking with uh, Dave Scott, who was the, like one of the guys that walked on the moon, who was telling him about the lunar module and everything. Wow. It was awesome. It was such a great, you know, and I did. I learned a lot about the lunar module and, you know, the thing you could stick. It was like it was like walking around cellophane. It was so thin, the outer exterior of that thing. Um, you could easily put your hand through the lunar module and all would be lost. So, wow. yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was a pretty amazing thing. Um, and and another iconic director, Ron Howard, to get to yeah. work with. My yeah. God. Yeah, and Ron's, Ron is just, he is Opie, man. He's Opie grown up with a camera now. Um, <laughs> he's just the nicest guy, down to earth, humble. You know, he, he listens to you if you have a suggestion. I mean, I remember saying to him, hey, Ron, did these guys, can I eat at my station? Is that all right? I like to keep myself busy. And so could I have like nuts or something? <laughs> and, he, and he checked and he went, yeah, I don't see why not. Sure. <laughs> you know? So it was great. It was just, it was a great atmosphere. Which is a perfect segue, speaking <laughs> of Ron Howard, of, of Happy Days, yeah. um, that you played Howard Cunningham in the, uh, on stage. <laughs> I, was, I was the, the first, in the first production, Fred Applegate did a lot of um, uh, workshops of it, but when, I guess he was off doing Broadway or something, and they needed the, the, to world premiere it, because Gary wanted um, to have this be the calling card to regional theaters to say, let's do this all across the country. So, yeah, it was like he brought me as Mr. C and Ernie Sabella came out as Arnold. Um, and I'm sure you know who Ernie is. Mm -hmm. Not, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I did the first with Joey McIntyre from New Kids on the Block as um, Fonzie. And uh, I forget who else and some of Gary's people, but Gary directed it. And and Paul Williams was there doing all the music and everything with us and developing it. It was just phenomenal. I mean, oh, my God, what a what a fun time. And Gary is just a hoot. You know, he was amazing man. And where where was this again? He has a theater. It, it used to be called the Falcon Theater when Gary was alive. But when he died. It's now called the Gary Marshall Theater. It's in Burbank. Gotcha. And, and yeah, so he has his own little theater there. He was a big theater um, buff. Penny, Penny Marshall's brother. Penny Marshall's brother, yes. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so funny. Uh, not that it's a small world, but one of my improv uh, teachers from Shenandoah University where I went, well, actually, me and Stephen and our friend Ryan went, um, she used to always say, hey, be careful what you say. There's only 17 people in theater. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, That's, you know, of course, everybody kind of knows everybody. At it's one true. Point. It is true. I mean, you know, I always tell young actors when I talk to them, I say, hey, you know, always be nice to everyone. You know, don't be cocky and be an asshole to people because you don't know who they know or what they're going to become because they're trying to make it up the ladder the same way you are. Right, right. Um, Wayne, what, what has been your creative journey? Did, did you go to college for to be yeah. 
and then and then how did that feed you into your journey? And I'm sure you've been all over the the country and the world. Um, how did you land where you are? Uh, if someone's trying to figure out how to how to be you, how to be me? Um, yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. How to under, <laughs> uh, how to understudy you? No, no, no. I mean, it's just one of I, it. You know, it's such a crap. I do consider myself very lucky, but I was also very persistent. I mean, you know, in this business, what it was, it, it took me eight years. Um, I left New York after my first eight years right out of college. I left to go to L.A. because I still hadn't gotten an agent after eight years. Then it took me another five years in L.A. to get an agent. So it's 13 years to get an agent for me. Wow. Okay. Because I, again, what I'll tell a young actor, I said, look, I believe sometimes you got to have, it's got to be like a calling, like the priesthood or whatever. I knew this is what I wanted to do. And my whole goal was to make a living, you know, and I didn't, I didn't care about fame or, you know, even making a whole lot of money. I wanted to be able to make a living as an actor. And, but I did every odd job you can think of. And I studied with, uh, Bill Esper that I think was a great training ground for me that was very uh, he's was he passed away about a year ago but he was at the forefront he was the guy that knew the Meisner technique better than anybody right. he was Meisner's assistant forever um, and then he started his own studio and so I studied with him and then I just uh, I have a famous cousin who really hasn't helped me, but gave me great advice. He just said, act in everything you can. And he's a fellow Virginian over there, Robert Duvall. Um, and he just said... Who? Who's that? Yeah, he, he lives over in the Plains, Virginia. Yeah. And I, he, I was trying to make a little joke. I know, I know. Never heard I know. of him. Who's that? Who's that guy? <laughs> but no, he said, when I graduated college, he said, study with Bill Esper, go, you know, go to New York, study with Bill Esper. And then uh, after your two years of studying with Bill Esper, you just work in everything and anything you can, whether you're paid or not. If that, someone will cast you in something, whether you're right for the role, do it. You will learn from it. And it's just basically work, work, work. So I did summer stock. I would go. I was the king of the basement theater, you know, the church theater basements, whatever, with the showcases and everything. Um, and you do. You just learn. And you learn through failure and you learn through falling on your face. And it's not that big a deal to fail, you know, as long as you're learning something. So I guess it was that attitude and just persistence saying, I'm going to do this. Somehow I'm going to make this work and just keep working. And hopefully, you know, something will stick. It's like sales. There's so many no's until you get the one yes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, we, I think this is uh I don't know, one of my favorite films to watch. Uh, it's such an amazing story. Um, let's talk about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, let's. That's a, that's a, great, that's a good story, actually. I, I'm, speaking of other movies that are always on TV. We just saw it. Yeah. 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 No, that was one of those. That's, again, I was doing a basement. Uh, I was in L.A., and I was doing a, um, a little play called Billy Bob and the Gospel. Uh, where I was playing a corrupt preacher who was given these big bombastic sermons. And somehow, and I still to this day don't know how I got an audition to go audition for Ellen Chenoweth for this movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And she, it was a pre-read to read just for her. And so I just made the decision that this guy who's given all these big speeches to crowds and Ku Klux Klan, I said, it's the same guy I'm playing in this play every night, except instead of sermons, I'm doing political speeches. So I went in there with that kind of groundwork. I felt already having played this guy, corrupt preacher, corrupt politician. OK. And so she liked it. And then she brought me to the brothers. And, you know, I'll never forget Joel saying, well, you've confused us. You're not at all what we were envisioning for this part. But um you're changing our mind, which made me thrilled, you know, and but it was months before I got the role. And, you know, I got that call saying we're going to see one more person. And if it's not him, it's going to be you. And I'm thinking, well, it's going to be him. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, why do you even tell me that? And 
and but I was lucky. I got it. And, you know, and then it was just you go there and you're again living the dream. And I keep going, how did I get here? And right. my first my first day on the set was my big speech in the hall when the boys are singing and I'm doing the whole big speech when they're throwing food at me and everything at the end. That was my first day on the set. And I just remember saying, just, just do it. Just then let them fire you, but just go out in a blaze of glory. And <laughs> they kept me around. So God bless them, man. So when you said the brothers, clearly the, the famous Cohen, Cohen uh, the brothers. Cohen brothers. Right? Yes. Just, just, you know, all those names are just, <laughs> dropping yeah. out they're incredible oh um, yeah i mean they were great and and i mean they're again the nicest guys on the planet and you know i always tell the story about you know i was doing one of those big political speeches and and ethan came up to me and said at this point can you take your inflection down on the speech instead of up i went okay sure literally five minutes later joel came up and gave me the exact opposite direction <laughs> And and I said to him, I said, okay, but Ethan just told me to do it the other way. And he goes, oh, he, he did? Oh, then do it that way. <laughs> I mean, they just didn't fight. They didn't disagree. They just was like, I think whoever got to you first got to give you the direction that they wanted. But um, that was great. George Clooney was fabulous. He cast me in Leatherheads after that. And Charles Durning was a, a genius and a love to be around. And Holly Hunter. They, it was just one of those things I went, what the fuck? Finally, after 13 years without an agent, things are panning out. And you have one of my favorite lines from the film, the is you is or is you ain't my constituency. <laughs> and believe it or not, literally three days ago, I said that line. <laughs> I was I, I, I'm, I'm working right now doing a recurring character on the uh, television show Billions. Uh huh. And the director, I think I got the job because he's a big O Brother fan. And he was like, oh, I want to sit down and I want to talk to you about Charles Durning and oh, brother. And I said, OK, sure. And then I was walking away. I said, but let me ask you a question. And he goes, what? I go, is you is, is you ain't my constituency. <laughs> and he just laughed. But I mean, so. Oh, my God. Charles Durning uh, doing that jig on that stage. Oh, my God. And that was all him. That was, was all him. That incredible. was his choreography and everything. That's hysterical. Yeah. Um, to know that that came from him is even makes it oh. even more enjoyable. Oh, yeah. That whole rubbing his hands together like, you know, they're on fire. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. Oh, I, I adore him in everything that he's in. But that is just, oh, it's hard to top that. Oh. Um, Nobody can do that deadpan cigar look like he can when he makes the cigar just sort of like a, a flaccid penis. It just sort uh -huh. of, flips, right. you know. It goes down. He just makes me laugh. <laughs> Where was O Brother shot? Jackson, Mississippi in the height of summer. Wow. Uh, so now I've never been asked to go to Mississippi to film. Be blessed that you have it. <laughs> so how does that work? You then travel to Mississippi. You're given a calendar that says we need you on these dates. And then you show up and sit inside of a rented trailer that the production team has and how does that all work well what they do is they 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 fly you they say these are the days we need you you'll fly probably a day ahead of time or if they have to do a lot of fittings a couple days ahead of time and then they put you up in a hotel and you sit in your hotel until you're working and then they call you at night the, the night before you know, you have the schedule ahead of time. You know you're working the next day. They call you the night before to say, okay, your call time tomorrow is going to be 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., whatever, whenever you're shooting. Um, and then they come and they have a van usually comes pick you up, maybe with some other people that are staying in the hotel that are working too. And they take you to the set where they have your uh, trailer is all there with your name, you know, with a piece of tape written your name in you know either character or, or your name and then you wait until the ad comes knocking on your door and says we need you to go into makeup we need you you know they'll have your wardrobe in there so you'll change and then you just sort of wait once you've been through makeup and you got your costume on and they call you to the set and at, at this point you are basically expected to know all your lines oh yeah yeah oh yeah you better know your lines yeah i mean 
um, if you don't know your lines, then, you know, you won't have a job there for a while. I'm sure if you come in going, I didn't really work on this. Right, right, you right, know? right. I didn't have time. There was a good show on. No, you you know your shit and, and you get there and I'm sorry, I've been cursing and saying stuff. I hope oh, that's okay. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, okay. <clears throat> sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you just, you you know everything cold you have your idea of how you want to do it because a lot of time in film it's not like in theater where the you have time to work on it and rehearse it and the director will go okay let's try this and do that you know which i love a lot of times they've cast you because they like what you did in the audition and bring that and if they want to tweak it a little bit they can but a lot of times you have no rehearsal or they'll run one through so that the lighting and everybody can see how the scene's going to move. And then you just start shooting. You know, the good thing about film and TV is if you screw up, then you just do it again. It's not yeah. like theater. You got to make it up if you forget your lines or whatever. Because of always um, traveling around so much, uh, are you, you, you're able to see a lot of things. Do you have like favorite places that, you know, if a movie says we're going to be doing this in Phoenix, wherever you're like, oh, my God, I love going there or whatever. Well, I mean, yeah, I would love to say that I've been able I've seen the world. But no, no, those are my friends that get to do that. <laughs> They're the ones that go to Prague. We're going to go to Romania. Oh, I'm going to shoot in Europe for six months. You know, I'm like, great. I'm going to Lancaster, Pennsylvania or <laughs> You know, right. Palmdale, California, the meth capital of the world. Um, right. You know, the only time I've ever shot anything out of the country, which was a thrill. And, you know, I've been doing this over 30 years now, was I, I spent 42 days in uh, Porto, Portugal. And that was pretty cool. Um, I could never eat codfish again, though, after that. But I mean, because that's all they eat there. But oh, wow. it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I love I, I love actually filming in New York. Um, um, but like I did this movie I did called Werewolves Within that's coming out. Um, that I can't wait to see. Uh, we shot it upstate in Katona, New York. And it was just beautiful up there and snow. It was just nice. But, you know, I usually I'll go to uh I did a movie called Prisoners in right outside of Atlanta on some mountain. I forget what it was called, but that was beautiful. And, you know, but you know, I got a Mississippi. I just went to Charleston where I was working on the show called the righteous gemstones um, for showtime. And so I'm usually around the United States um, and it's usually New York, the Atlanta area, LA, or like North Carolina, South Carolina, and so, those are, and Canada. I've been to Canada a bunch. Wayne, um, so that's the second time you've mentioned. Uh, very well done. Uh, the, the upcoming film Werewolf Within. Oh. <laughs> I got to plug it, man. Yeah, I know. So let's talk about it. It's a it's a comedy thriller horror film. Oh wow! It's friggin' hysterical. I got this. They sent me a a link to screen it and it was really good. And it, it, it stars, um, Sam Richardson from Veep, the black guy on Veep who was yep. funny. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Veep yep. and also the girl who's the AT&T girl, uh, Lily. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. She's hysterically funny. Um, and then we have Michaela Watkins, who's just brilliant. Who's on the unicorn, which sadly I just learned got canceled today. Um, uh, Glenn Fleischler, who you've seen in a million things, me, is, uh, uh, Michael Chernis is brilliant. I mean, it was just, it's a funny group of actors and I'm kind of like the straight guy, you know, uh, <laughs> another one of my, as I say, the canon of assholes that I've played in my career. <laughs> um, but they're fun to play and it's just, it's, I don't want to tell you too much. But you get the from the title, you have an idea what's going on, werewolves, and and it's um, this community, little small community in upstate New York, um, that's dealing with some stuff. Let's just put it that way. And you're not sure what's going on, but it's funny. It's a thriller. It keeps you on the edge, and and very funny. And it's a horror film. But well, Stephen Gregory is a horror film 
aficionado. Yes. Well. So we have every collection of anything scary in our basement. <laughs> well, this will be fu- uh, this will be more of a funny, funny, scary kind of thing. Like a Shaun of the Dead kind of feel. Okay, I didn't see that, but see, it's not my favorite oh. genre. It's not my genre, but I ah. I really was thrilled to do it. I mean, I it could be my new genre, Stephen. Well, uh. yeah, I mean, if if you've played a lot of assholes, it should follow that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I mean, A Quiet Place 2, that's kind of sci-fi horror. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That is sci-fi, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and, okay, so I've done, this will be my second one, Werewolves Within. Yeah, this is my horror year coming up. Yeah, well, it, it has been for all of us. Yeah, I know, so. really, but now I actually am living it and filming it, um, you know, with creatures and, and stuff, so... Um, yeah, but a Quiet Place too. I'm very excited for. I, I have a very small part at the beginning, but it it's a fun part. It's a great little part. And again, I just wanted to work with John again. Um, he's a he's a wonderful dude. Is is and um, is it CGI or practical effects or? No, mostly CGI. Yeah, you know um, that's yeah. that's the way it goes these days, right? What's a yeah. practical effect? It's really weird. I mean, like I did this movie called The Hunt where now it's like they used to squib you and all these things when you get shot, but now they can do it all with computer. And it's, you know, Emma Roberts was killed at the very beginning of this movie and they just blow her head off. Well, they didn't squib. There were no like blood. It was just all by the computer. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. We saw the hunt. Um, That's, that's, that's right. See, you're in so many things that it's like, that's I guess that would be horror too, right? Yeah. Um, that's more of a thriller thing. That's yeah. I think, you know, that's like the elite killing the 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 not elites. <laughs> another another really huge uh thing that you've been a part of uh came out last year, the trial of Chicago Seven. Oh yeah. That was that was fun. I mean, for me that was like two days of work, but I wanted to work with Aaron Sorkin. I mean, sometimes I'll take a movie. It's like I did a, a day, one day on uh, a movie called Richard Jewell. And I did that because Clint Eastwood was directing it. And I thought, the man is 90. I want to work with him before he dies. And of course, I think he's shot, he shot like three movies since then. But okay. I didn't know. I said, when they said, yeah, it's just a day, Wayne. Do you want to do that? And I went, absolutely. I said, it's Clint Eastwood. I want to hang out with him for a day. Right. You know, and see how he works. And and it was Sam Rockwell and Nina Arianda. And, you know, so it was that was a fun day, you know. But I mean, Clint Eastwood works. We were I literally they got me to the set at 10. The entire day was wrapped by lunch. Wow. Because he just gets it done and says, all right, I'm going home. I'm 90. I'm going home. Right. I need a nap. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and, and John's, well, John's was like two weeks, but then um, Trial of Chicago 7 was like a day in Chicago and a day in New Jersey, um, but I was there for like three or four days in, in Chicago um, when they were doing all the um, protest stuff and everything, and then the trial itself was shot in Jersey, and that was, I mean, that was a thrilling day in Jersey because it was like everybody in the movie that was the leads we're on trial, you know, and I was in between my take because I, I um, have to be a witness in, in this thing. And in between takes, I, I hear, excuse me, I look over, it's Mark Rylance. And wow. I had been talking to Eddie Redmayne in Chicago and, and telling him that I, I had done, you know, took me 30 years, but I did my first Broadway play. 1984 and we were chatting about it and Mark Rylance came up to me in Jersey and says I understand you like to do theater (laughs) oh it was like oh my god you know and he was just like you know he wanted to talk about theater and everything it was amazing (laughs) you know so yeah so I mean it was like two days of work but you know memories that I'll never forget right does the unexpected ever, I mean, film to me always just seems like it's such a machine of so many people, schedules, whatnot, that just works together. 
is there ever that one movie or that one incident that happens where the the uh, unseen happens and let's say you're supposed to be done shooting on Friday and you're supposed to be at a wedding uh, you know in Maine on Monday but because the AC cut out on some you know uh, building or something did is there ever things like that that happen in in the the making of a film oh sure I mean there have been like it's inevitable that you know if you plan a vacation <laughs> you know right and and I um I had a my wife and I had planned this vacation to go to Barcelona, and I got this movie. And the director was so nice. He goes, "I know you're going to Barcelona. I'm going to try to make this work." And he finally can't do it. You know the scheduling or whatever. So I we had to rearrange our entire trip to do the movie. But on the set, that happens all the time. Especially like they'll have what they call cover sets, where if you're shooting something. Uh, say outside on Friday and you know and suddenly oh they're calling for torrential rain well they'll have already thought of okay well we're going to do an interior scene then as a cover set in case it does rain so that we'll keep working you know what I mean so right yeah and so they'll have cover sets all the time which could totally screw your scheduling up so if you're like not supposed to be working for two weeks or whatever they may go hey we're pushing that scene up to friday wayne because of the rain that's coming in and we want to use that your scene as a cover set so just giving you the heads up that we're going to be doing your scene on friday or to Mm -hmm. know your scene if it doesn't rain we won't do it but be prepared that we may you know so -hmm. that happens a lot you know anything could happen you could have an asshole and luckily i haven't but i've heard about it where you have an asshole actor uh, who's you know thinks they're hot shit that you know just shows up late, right? You know, and you've got a you know I worked on a a show um, where we'll just say the actor's name was Tom. It wasn't, but it, we'll say it's Tom. And I'll, I showed up on set, and they go, "Yeah, we had to rearrange some stuff because we it's decided that today's a Tom day, meaning Tom just decided not to show. He was the lead on the show." He just decided he didn't want to come in today. So we have to rearrange our whole day because of this idiot, you know? So, you know, the that's, and I said, Tom, but you know, and I know, you know, I've worked with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is the nicest guy in show business. <laughs> right. It's not he, Tom. He and Hugh Jackman are the nicest men in show business. I believe that. You that's know? great to hear. Yeah. George there- Clooney too. Is there anybody that you have not worked with yet, Wayne, that you really would love to? Well, he doesn't oh. want to work with Tom again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd love to work with Tom again. But <laughs> who I haven't worked with that I want to work with, um, I, I really want to work with Sean Penn. I would love to work with Meryl Streep. I would love to work with um, uh, Denzel Washington. Um, I mean, they, these are some dream you know, guys that I hope I get to work with because I've been very, I'd like to work with my cousin. I worked with him like two, two lines I had in a movie called Falling Down when, early on where I played a paramedic. I was paramedic number two. And in the list of the credits, my cousin is second from the top behind Michael Douglas and I'm second from the bottom in front of an inanimate picture. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm literally at the very bottom of the crawl, but I'd love to do, uh, you know, work with him. But, uh, you know, he's getting up there, too. He just turned 90 this year. Wow. Yeah. So they're they're all up there. My one I really wanted to work with was Gene Hackman, but he retired um, and he's 91. So, well, know. the movie could be about me. Because I've, I've, I've spent an evening with Wayne and I spent an evening with Robert. Did you? <laughs> well, I was doing a show in Middleburg, Virginia as an actor. And um, I, I literally am standing in my, un- I'm changing it after the show. I'm in my underwear. There's a knock at the door. And I'm literally thinking it's like, you know, someone asking about my costume or something. Right. Open the door. I'm in my skivvies. And there stands Robert Duvall. Oh my God. And he he hands out he holds out his hand and he says, You made me laugh, sir. And oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that was the end of it. And of course I shut the door like, what the shit? Oh my God. I wish I'd gotten dressed. Oh my God. That is so awesome. 
Yeah. And yeah. right there, that made you closer to him than I am. <laughs> you know? But um, I, I love the Middleburg area where, where he lives. It's a beautiful, beautiful area down yeah. there. Yeah, he's got apparently a nice 600-acre ranch or something there. You know? Wow. Yeah. But... Well, Wayne, I see that our clock is like up to about 42 minutes of talking. And um, we like to kind of wrap things up under like around 45. So it doesn't cool. feel like we're keeping you too long. So we just have three more questions that we ask almost every person. All right. So during the pandemic, lots of people learned like, I'm going to learn French or I'm going to go back and finish my piano skills. Did you during the last year uh, sort of go back and relearn or learn anything? Yeah, I'm learning French. That's very funny. I'm on. A, I'm doing an app, Duolingo, that I'm. I'm on my 200th straight day. Oh my God! I'm learning. I'm learning French. I'm. Yeah, Pool. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call you one night and, and see if we can talk because. Okay, true story. One time I'm in, I'm in Shirlington, there were the signature theater is with a bunch of actors talking about themselves. And everyone was saying <laughs> and everyone was saying what they were doing. And one actor was like, I'm doing this. And the next person was like, Well, I'm doing this. And I kept thinking, Oh my God, what the shit am I gonna say? So it got to me and I said, Well, actually, I'm taking French. And my friend beside me texts me, he's like, Are you taking French? And I was like, No, I'm not taking French. But well, um, something. Right, I had to say something important, oh, and that's so, so funny. Literally, he sent me the Duolingo link, and me and my friend Robert, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Dean Halbrook, um, we occasionally will sit on the computer and, and do French, and it, you know, it's 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 not it's not easy. No, it's not, but it, now it's kind of fun, and I, you know, I'm 200 days in, so I've got to keep doing it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, so that's what I did. That's one. And now you can get now you can go to France and film. Yeah. In French. And sound like a, a, an American from Maryland speaking French. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Bonjour, um, buddy. Bonjour. Right, right. Je m'appelle Je m'appelle Wayne. Comment <laughs> um, <Como> ça va? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, a lot of people, of course, during the pandemic was watching tons and tons of yeah. Netflix and, and things. Did you get into any series that you maybe would not have gotten into or oh, something that all the British procedurals procedurals? I started with Peaky Blinders. Then I went to uh, a uh, shit. What are we? I can't even now. The titles are like or but they're all on Acorn Television, British procedurals. Um we just got into watch. Oh, uh, Endeavor was one that we watched that was awesome. Um, seven seasons of it we watched. Um, and we're watching another one now. I can't remember the name of it. No, we just finished it, actually. Um, something by the Lake. Uh, but I just love them. I love them. I love them. And I can't wait for another one to come out. Now I'm kind of hooked on Mare of Easttown. I was, I was watching one with Olivia Coleman that was a The Crown? Well, I watched The Crown, and of course, I thought to myself, you know, oh, let's see what the big deal is about The Crown. And then, uh, of course, I could not finish. I mean, every night was a, an episode of The Crown. Um, but I, I got really hooked into Broad Church. That's the one. That was another one. Yes. Where she yeah. plays the cop, whatever, and then her husband did something. Yeah. The, oh, my God. I love that show. I thought it was fascinating. And I, yeah. maybe you know this. I did not know this. I'm probably insulting your intelligence, but... I think in the UK, their series are only usually like three or two. Oh, two episodes, you mean? Two yeah. Years. No, yeah, a lot two. of them are like four episodes, five episodes, but they could have like two or three seasons. Right. Two or three seasons. That's what I'm thinking about. Two or yeah. three seasons in the yeah. UK. Yeah. Fascinating. I love it. All right, Stephen, you're going to wrap us up tonight? Sure. Uh, so the uh matt is producing our friend susan Derry's holiday album that's called i wish it so what matt's a record producer yes he is yes. Um, and we've been talking a lot about the about wishes and what wishes really are and what they entail um so we made this little wish box and we are asking all of our guests if they had one thing to wish for in the world what would it be wow it would it would be for um for me right now, honestly, the way the world is right now, I, I wish for the Democrats to win the House, the Senate, and for the presidency to stay Democratic. Yep. 
that's what I want for the world right now. I, yep. I want the Republicans to fade away. Yeah, it's been an eventful week. Sorry and... to get political, but I that's really what I wish for. I want to win the, the House and the Senate again and and get things done that help the regular person. You know, I don't apologize for being political. There's a certain point where it's not really politics. It's just insanity. Yeah, it is. Um, I agree. Because, you know, facts are still facts. And you can't just because you say they're not. Um, it doesn't change it. And you can, it's like, you can't just speak the lie so many times it becomes true. That doesn't work. But it seems to be influencing a lot. I agree. I think it's, we're, we're about to go into Trump fatigue, I think. So I'm about to, I hope so. I know I am already, but I think the other people too are, you know, well, let's hope. Let's hope. Exactly. So that's my wish. wish Yeah. I, I, I wish, uh, I wish Wayne is right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Wayne, it's been a blast. And God, we couldn't even get to half of the things we wanted to talk to you about because your career list is just so dang long. Well, and I have diarrhea of the lip. I keep talking. Sorry. Oh, no. no. Great. That's what you wanted, I guess. That's All right. right. Well, well, thank, thank you, so- guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, uh, this will... This will go out uh, probably around the end of May after it's edited and stuff like that. I'll send it to you uh, so you can tell folks that you had a good time being with us. Yeah, man. Oh, I will. And and my birthday is May 29th, so send it out then. Oh, Oh, yeah. I'll make a note of that. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon, Wayne. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Love to you. Love to you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yeah, that was a great interview. I, I so fascinating. He's such a, an, a, an amazing person. Mm-hmm. I love that the uh, the control room of Apollo 13 still gathers. Um, that's really cool to think about. Also, his work ethic of just basically working and just doing it and making his career a verb and not waiting around for anyone to tell him what to do. You just you just do it. Yeah, so be sure to check him out and all of his upcoming films. Um, we really thank him for joining us. If you want to learn more about us, uh, you can go to www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't yet. It helps us out. Um, and as we always say, turn, turn your, your heart, heart into art. Good night, Bye. everybody.